Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm Peter Parker, a.k.a. your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Mysterio. Oh, wow. I, I love it. I, I'm going to try to code switch between mask and femme the whole episode. Uh, this is Anthony Oliveira, PhD, culture critic, dumpster raccoon. Uh, we have a special lineup for you today. We have the host of the Normal Country podcast. Zach Heltzel. We have writer and host. Ashley C. Ford. And we have transsexual poet. Colette Aaron. I want to make very clear that I was asked to say the word transsexual there. Although I hear we're having a resurgence. It's on the comeback. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, and we're talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. Yay! I'm really excited to have the three of you on since uh, you're three folks that I would want on, but, you know, don't aren't that into Buffy. So I was like, yes, let's go for new guests. Um, yeah, do we want to just get into the movie? I would kind of beforehand, I want to know, so it, you're not into Buffy, but are you into Spider-Man? Because especially with this movie... I feel like there's a, I mean, if, listen, if you're listening to this, you know there's a spoiler. So uh, <laughs> I want to know how much you knew about Spider-Man lore, and that will let us talk about if you saw the Mysterio twist coming, because that'll be, I think, an important thread I want to follow. That's Zach, fair, you want to yeah. start us off? Sure. So I am generally a pretty big fan of Spider-Man, the comic books. I particularly enjoy the video games. Uh, I'm particularly a fan of Mary Jane Watson and Gwen Stacy. My dream Marvel movie would be to get Emma Stone back to do a Gwenpool picture. Uh, I really loved uh, oh. Into the Spider-Verse uh, last year, but uh, I, you know, I'm kind of lukewarm on the Sam Raimi movies. Uh, the less we talk about the amazing Spider-Man, the better. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really that enthusiastic about homecoming so i'm i'm of two minds when it comes to spider-man but net positive ashley (laughs) Um, i have almost none of the background on spider-man um not in depth anyway i grew up being introduced to comics via x-men and X-Men was my intro. And so for a really long time, X-Men was just everything to me. And I actually, for a really long time, a lot of the Avengers storylines, their backgrounds, I didn't know anything about them um, because they weren't really my comics. Uh, but I saw Far From Home and loved it. I saw Homecoming and loved it. And I saw... Uh, into the Spider-Verse and loved it. I loved all of those. And it's actually become a point of contention between me and one of my best friends because I've been talking about Spider-Man a lot. And he was always a huge Spider-Man fan when he was kids, when we were kids and tried to get me to get into Spider-Man, but he wasn't dark enough for me. And we all need a little light right now. So maybe that's why I'm into Spider-Man. But my friend now is always like, how dare you? How dare you speak Peter Parker's name? You maligned him for years. And he's telling the truth. But, you know, we all learn and grow. And I consider myself reformed. <laughs> and Paulette, what about you? Um, well, first off, I, I I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm just, you know, I haven't seen it in years. So, um, like, I started rewatching it, and I'm halfway through season one, I think. So You're a Christmas I'll get there. Easter Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll catch up. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like Catholicism. I've only seen the pilot. Um, the... Oh, my God. Wait, the, the unaired <laughs> really? pilot? The, like, 
the one, the one in Netflix, the Netflix, like that is the, or is it who, no, Hulu, the, um, the, like I've only watched episode one on Hulu. Like I, I need to watch. And you were like, actually, I really liked it. I just haven't gotten back to it yet. But anyway, please collect, continue. Um, yeah. Uh, but otherwise, like I've been working in comic book stores for like the last, you know, 10, 12 years. So, um, I, I consider Spider-Man to be one of my favorite superheroes. Um, like he's, he's pretty great. It's just one of those things where like in comic books, it really depends on the writer or like what they're deciding to do. I remember there was like a time when, uh, they decided that like Spider-Man couldn't be married anymore because no one wanted to read about a married couple. And then they had him sell his soul to save like Aunt May very strange stuff, but um, I've always had a really long rope for Spider-Man. Um, I didn't like Spider-Man 3. I liked The Amazing Spider-Man. I didn't see the sequel. Um, I didn't like Far From Home, but I loved Into the Spider-Verse, and I really liked this movie. So, um, And it caught me by surprise in a, in a couple of ways. Wait, you mean Homecoming. you didn't like Homecoming? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, sorry. That one's, <laughs> that's the one we're talking about. That's on my mind. Um, see, I, 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 love, I love Homecoming. I thought Homecoming... I don't, Anthony, I'd like be curious what you thought about the other Spider-Man movies. Actually, um, well, Ian, what's your what's your Spider-Man background? Like, were you is this your um, guy or? Well, Ashley, Ashley and I kind of have the same comics uh, background. Where like for me, it was always X-Men, and the other heroes. Like, I didn't, I, I just wasn't that big on them as a kid. Like, I had all the figures and you know played with them, and I watched the cartoon because Spider-Man sometimes crossed over with X-Men, but. I didn't, I wasn't ever that big on like the A-list heroes um, other than like, oh, I had their toys and I played with them as a kid, but meh. Uh, and I was always like, the X-Men were extremely my shit, but the MCU stuff has made me love Avengers and Spider-Man. You know, I, I remember when Iron Man was coming <laughs> out and I was like, that's a weird choice. I don't care about him. And then I loved it. So like, you know, fuck you, Ian. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love... At the time, I remember thinking, oh, I like this of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. I don't think any of them are that good because I think Kirsten Dunst and Tobey Maguire have like negative chemistry. Um, And I don't think either of them are particularly that great of actors, (laughs) which I feel like is like blasphemous because I know uh, gay Twitter loves uh, Kirsten Dunst. (laughs) But I just don't think either of them. Sorry. <laughs> I just don't think either of them are that good. Um, I thought Andrew yeah. Garfield and Emma Stone had really great chemistry, but it was like cheating because they were dating. Uh, and they were like that aspect of those movies I loved, but they weren't good. Uh, and then Into the Spider-Verse was, of course, fucking fantastic. And I loved Homecoming. This movie, however, I, uh, Zach and I are going to be the grumpy old men who are like, eh, about it. Wow. See, I, I have, I'm interested to hear that because I... I have trouble seeing any major quality or tonal change between the two. Like it's the same writing team. I'm pretty sure it's definitely the same director. I mean, the cast is largely the same. So it's like, to me, it would be very hard for me to pull apart like the qualitative difference between the first one and this one. Uh, Don't worry. I will. Um, But Anthony, (laughs) I, (laughs) I, I thought it was funny what you said to me when I texted you about this episode. Oh, what did I say? I, I have you were been... like, I strive to have your like unpredictable. Oh yeah, I feel like you always zig when I expect you to zag. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I I feel like. See, to me, 
I've been saying to people, I've seen it twice now. In fact, I literally just ran to this podcast, Mike, after seeing it again. Um, and to me, there's so much of a piece with each other that I really have trouble. I really have trouble pulling them apart. So I, I, I like, tell me why, why you, whoever liked the first one and whoever disliked the first one and what changed along the way here. Okay. So I'll start us off with the movie because uh, that's kind of my biggest issue is I didn't love the, for me, the first half hour very much felt like a chore. Like I was like, do I hate this? I didn't hate it overall, but the first half hour, I don't know the, cause you're right, Anthony, I looked it up cause I was like, oh, this had to have been a different writer, but it's like largely the same team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, the dialogue didn't feel as tight as it did in nearly every other Marvel movie, especially Homecoming. Uh, because I remember watching Homecoming and almost thinking, I wish this could have been a Netflix series. Like, I would love to spend more time with these characters. You know, give me a bottle episode of, like, Ned covering for Peter having to leave school while Peter has to, like, fight a random villain. Um, like, I would love that. Or, like, give me, MJ, uh, like, a day from the point of view of MJ. Uh, but in this, it immediately didn't feel as tight. It felt like too silly and a little bit phoned in for me. Okay, um, so this this is kind of why I wanted to know everyone's Spider-Man background because I want to know who knew walking into the theater that Mysterio was the bad guy and for whom was that a twist? Oh, it yeah. was a twist for me. Like, <laughs> I suspected it. Like, yeah. I, I suspected it, I think, just because in general I think of Jake Gyllenhaal as a villain. But... <laughs> <laughs> But, and so when it when it came to that, I was like, oh. Also, he just kept saying these things to Peter in the movie that I was just like, adults don't talk to kids like that unless they want something from them. Oh, so you felt like there were you could feel the yeah, grooming happening. It felt like grooming in the movie. Uh-huh. So I remember I turned to my husband, and you know, and I'm black at the movies, so. I say stuff out loud because I can't help it. It's genetic. And look it up. Um, And I turned to my husband and I said, he better not give him those glasses. And I just said, he better not give him those glasses. And I said it a couple times, like, because that's what we like. Like, Uh he was going to hear me and be like, yo, did somebody say I shouldn't give him these glasses? Um, <laughs> but that's how I felt. Like, I mean, I felt like they hit that tone perfectly where, to be honest, I don't think a kid watching the movie would be able to tell. I think a kid uh-huh, yeah. would be like, you know, oh, Mysterio, maybe he's going to be the new Iron Man. Maybe he's coming into this. I don't know about Mysterio. I'm excited to look up Mysterio. Like for them, I think they'd see that yeah. character and see a lot of hope. But I knew with that whack-ass costume that something wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> what about everybody else? Was this a twist? Did this work? Uh, for me, it was. And I'm very familiar with Mysterio. Oh, so you thought you knew he was a bad guy, but you thought this time we were getting... Because yeah. the, the sort of meta text around this was that they pulled a double blind mm-hmm. on everybody because everyone, even hardcore comic book fans thought that maybe this was their way of introducing a multiverse like because that was right. the hard push for the right. promo stuff so everyone was like well i know what mysterio is but they're clearly doing something else and they did a like i love how much of this movie is metatextual like it's thinking about the way 
you can sell whatever narrative you want. And it sold a false narrative. Like it made people feel like, oh, they're doing a multiverse. We're going to get Miles Morales in this movie. Maybe this is why Oscar Isaac was the voice of Spider-Man <laughs> 2099 and Into the Spider-Verse because he's going to be here for real in this one. Like everyone got excited over here. And meanwhile, they snuck yeah. in this Mysterio storyline, even though it's it's beat for beat, the original Mysterio story, right? I think I think the reason why I bit really hard on that was like, not so much because I was anticipating a multiverse, because I can't imagine how you would do that in a live action mm. series. Um, but um, like just the way that they costumed Mysterio, like was very Doctor Strange-ish. Like his cape mm-hmm. was like Doctor Strange's. Um, his like powers were kind of like Doctor Strange too, where he like summoned up like almost magical looking energy, like kind of similar mm-hmm. with like the the sigils going around his hands and stuff like that. Like at one point in time. Like, I, I turned to my friend and was like, are they making Mysterio, like, a hero in this? Um, and, and he was like, I don't know who Mysterio is. Um, so it was very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. But, um, I, like, to, to go back to your other other question about uh, not liking um, Homecoming, uh, I think that my, my, my major issue with that was I just wanted a Spider-Man movie and I wanted a break from the Avengers and Tony Stark is the most Avengers Avenger. Um, uh-huh. So after being introduced to Spider-Man in Civil War, like it just felt like I, I needed Peter Parker to be more on his own. And by killing Tony Stark, he kind of got that opportunity to like deal with that, but also be mm-hmm. on his own a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was hoping, well, I was hoping that, uh, you know, the twist was going to be that Mysterio wasn't going to be the bad guy because I had, you know, the base amount of knowledge knowing that like, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal is playing Mysterio. Mysterio is a villain. Clearly something's up here. I don't know exactly how they're going to do it, but clearly there's going to be a twist. And I was hoping that the twist was going to be that there was no twist, that they were just going to play this straight and have uh, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal be like this uh, alternate universe sort of a uh, combination of iron man and dr strange like when he puts those glasses on he looks like a stone cold daddy and it's like you know what this post uh end game uh mcu <laughs> could use this he could use jake gyllenhaal being like younger hotter tony stark and then when we right. you know find when we get the whole little dramatic reveal of like oh in the background of all these other marvel movies this was going on like it was very fun to see peter billingsley uh, come back and other people who showed up in other Marvel movies mm-hmm. and how that all tied together. Yeah. It was funny for about five seconds, and then I got over it and was like, okay, fine. Yeah, because none of them were special. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you didn't get treated like you were like. I know you're bitter about not getting treated like you were special, but also look how woefully unspecial you are. Like, I think <laughs> that was part of it, and I also like now that you're talking. I'm starting to think, Zach, and it's starting to upset me a little, like, because I'm realizing that I'm 32, that they're going to kill off all the daddies. And there's just going to be these little (laughs) baby looking boys, like playing all the superheroes. And I'm going to be lusting after old Thor instead of like new Thor. Yeah. I had that moment when there's like suddenly Hulk is wearing a cardigan and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, wow, look how far we've come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Zach, I appreciate uh, that you brought up how hot he is because, oh boy, this movie, the like, I mean, granted, I didn't love their like 
stupid will they or won't they kiss whatever that interview was but like all their like all their actual charming interviews i was like god my crush on donnie darko has come back like times a thousand (laughs) because i like i know that like in retrospect maybe the movie like doesn't hold up as well as it did when i was like however old when it came out and thought it was like the most like deep and meaningful fucking movie I'd ever seen. But like, I definitely like have still kept my crush on Jake Gyllenhaal. And this all was like, fuck, like I just, can he come kiss me? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, this to me, I mean, I, it is no secret that Mysterio is like literally my favorite Marvel character. I have my job at Marvel because of tweeting about Mysterio, but uh, I love him because of your job at Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) I love him because of this, code switching thing he gets to do um there was a there was a novel trilogy in the 90s called the it was about the, the the gathering of the sinister six and i was obsessed with it because mysterio was very strongly coded as gay in it and in fact not only was he coded as gay but he was coded as having like early stage hiv like it was part of the the storyline and to me this like that moment where Jake Gyllenhaal, you suddenly see that the stoic superhero he's been playing for the first half of this movie is an act. And he's actually this manic kind of femme dude who keeps calling Edith honey and stuff. And is like this sort of over the top um, stage director all of a sudden, who's really worried about the wrinkles in his cape. Like, I just really love that reveal. And even though it is like this long, really long piece of exposition, it's really like a lengthy monologue. Um, he's like making such a meal of it and then becomes such a major ham for the back half of the movie that I feel like that's that that switch moment is so fascinating to me because the reason I was interested in if people knew or not is the film feels kind of inert when it's trying to trick you into thinking yes, the elementals yeah. are the bad guys because yes. they're not compelling. It makes very little sense. There's nothing, there's nothing actually, there's no real physics behind the elements being air, water, right. fire, whatever. Right. So we're sort of hanging there for a long time waiting for a story to start. And it tricks the audience and being like, well, I guess this is the story. And then it's like, Oh yeah. no, actually this other thing has been happening this whole time. And if you're not looking for it, I feel like maybe an audience might get bored. Huh. I, I, I did. I did. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> See, that's that, that was like my issue because I kept being like, just do the fucking thing. And the Ella and like, so I was waiting for the reveal. I actually wasn't, I like knew it was coming, but I was like, maybe they're not going to do it. But then also I felt like, but then what's the fucking plot here if they're not going to mm-hmm. have it be that? Like, I didn't realize it was all going to be illusion. I thought they were going to give Mysterio real magic and that these were just like elementals he had created with his magic is kind of what I thought it was going to be. Uh, because like, even though the stakes like Nick Fury, well, not Nick Fury, but he says like, oh, the world will end. And like Mysterio shows that his world, like, you know, whatever burnt or they whatever they did to his world, quote unquote, um, the stakes never felt that high, right? Like, yeah, it felt like these like weird gelatinous blobs that are like made of water or made of sand or made of molten. They didn't really ever feel, we just had Thanos like actually end half the world. And this Mm -hmm. didn't feel big enough to me. Or I wanted like a low stakes type of Vulture story where like, I thought Vulture was a good villain. Um, Mm -hmm. He was like relevant and also like while it still was like, oh, Peter's life in, was in danger, the stakes were still low Spider-Man superhero-wise, right? Mm-hmm. I was just going to say one of the things that was rough for me, and then, of course, this sort of gets made up for at right. the, like in the post-credits, but I was like, so Nick Fury don't know nothing? <laughs> 
right? <laughs> like, I don't know how to, like, Nick Fury don't, like, this is interesting to me. You know, like, there was just something yeah. about it. And also the sort of, like, like, and it was played for funny, but the Nick Fury kind of, like, you know, <laughs> don't ghost me, you know what I mean, thing. It just kept feeling like Nick Fury doesn't care about anybody ghosting him. Nick Fury right. finds you. There is no ghosting Nick Fury. That's the point. You can't just like turn your phone off. Right. Like that only happens once. That only yeah. happens once. There's no, I've been dodging Nick Fury for a week. You can't. Right. Yeah. He would have found you so yeah. much sooner. And that's funny, Ashley, because I remember watching it because I didn't feel the beginning was as tight. I kept thinking, oh, they're just not writing Nick Fury or Maria Hill really well in this movie. Yeah. But then, of course, that was on purpose. So then I have to give kudos to like, OK, well, that was on purpose and it, you kind of get it. And uh, actually, a thing that I, I like saw an article that there was like, oh, a tell early on in the trailer, Nick Fury says Mysterio isn't from our world. But in the movie, the actual line is, he's not from your world, is what he says to Peter. Oh. So it's like kind of like a, yeah. There's also that part where he like snaps at Peter for suggesting uh, Captain Marvel. Um, yeah. Which is, I, like, I yeah. thought that was pretty was like, um, don't yeah. ever speak her name. <laughs> you know? Yeah, don't invoke her name. Yeah, that was like really, that was really good. Um, I think, I think my thing about the exposition is like, I, I kind of liked it because it reminded me of like a sloppy summer vacation movie, mm. um, which is like mm. a genre that I've always kind of appreciated, but like kind of went away after a while. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing that the twist does is it completely recontextualizes it. And like, I couldn't help but think of uh, Watchmen, um, like the Alan Moore graphic novel where you know, in the background, there's all these mediocre, well, not mediocre, one of the people is like a genius science fiction writer, but um, there's all these like nameless, faceless people who are like developing, you know, this fake, uh, like global sized tragedy in order to convince the United States and Russia to come together in harmony, um, which is essentially what Mysterio is doing, um, only so that he accrues all the power and like becomes the person upon whom earth leans for support, which wouldn't work the minute an alien touched down for real. You know what I'm saying? Like where, where's the follow through my G because there's not like what's going to happen when they're like, you know, like I, like I was almost getting like an Incredibles two vibe. Like there don't need to be superheroes. Like that yeah. was the thing. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, whatever. But then when it was like, you know, I, I don't know. I just felt like this is not a very well thought out. <laughs> well, I, I kind of the reason I like Mysterio as a character is because he's just so, so aggressively mediocre. Um, he's just a dude who has like a kit and he's going to work his way into being famous no matter what. And like, actually, when you watch the the credit sequence, um you can see the the sketch of Mysterio's costume literally has like a sketch of Doctor Strange and a, a yeah, sketch of it's Thor and a sketch of Iron Man. Oh, does it? He's combined. Yeah, like that that <laughs> like that gold part of his armor is not part of his normal look. It's just he's trying to evoke the semiotics of yeah. these heroes. Like, <laughs> I love that he has a writer on staff 
including his costume designer <laughs> and his like special effects guy. I, I did read um, that, like I so I was like looking up different because uh, I also like wrote a review of Spider Man and I was looking up different like uh, things you might have missed. Um, but I read something about Mysterio and how he was like a very relevant type of villain. Um, and I did think that is true, right? He, cause like you said, he's very, he's very involved in his appearance. He cares a lot about the way he presents, the way he looks. Um, he doesn't right. want to look stupid. He gets, he immediately threatens his staff when right. they're like, oh, we can't do as this thing. And he like glasses. turns immediately, uh, well, he's Donald Trump, right? Like that's what they're—that's what they want us to think right. about. Like he keeps—he keeps almost, but not quite, saying the phrase "fake news." Right? right. Like, yes. <laughs> he can spin things however he wants to, and sort of even the the very last scene where we see J. Jonah Jameson, yeah. and the the optics are clearly uh, Infowars, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, I like that, and it's it's threaded through mm-hmm. quite tightly. Like there's that moment where um, MJ quotes Orwell about how there is no objective truth anymore. Like. The film wants to think about, and I like the way it pairs Mysterio versus and like Nick Fury, because they're both these older cynical men grooming these children to be warriors, right? right? Like Spider-Man's villains are consistently old cynical men who are either rich or want to get rich, trying to convince this like altruistic, optimistic kid that the world is a dark, cruel place and you have to be dark and cruel to survive in it, right? And I like that Mysterio is the same as the vulture in that way. It's funny that you bring up uh, MJ's quoting of the Orwell line, because I was a little worried with that line mixed with, I don't know if you all caught, um, actually you probably (laughs) did, when they first show Hydro Man, and someone says, well, I read on BuzzFeed that it's actually this guy. (laughs) And they're like, oh, you you should believe everything you read on the internet. And I was like, uh, did like some alt-right person write this? Like, are they mad at BuzzFeed? I was like, okay. Because, you know, and I, and that's how Ian and I met, actually, was we were both working at BuzzFeed (laughs) at the same time. And the thing about BuzzFeed that has been true as long as I've been there, and Ian, you can tell me whether you feel the same way. You might not feel the same way, but I feel like even the people who have left BuzzFeed and maybe don't have kind things to say about working at BuzzFeed or being there in general have uh, nothing bad to say, and in fact, only good things about the newsroom there. Yes, I would. I actually, anytime I'm sure. Same, yeah. Anytime I have that argument with someone, I'm like, no, that news team is 100. Yes. percent yes. Like, like they're, don't even pretend they're that they're not. Like they're yeah. unfuckwithable. Yes. Like no matter what, the BuzzFeed news team, no matter what else is happening, I don't care what happened on video. I don't care yeah. who. I don't care what's happening at an executive level. That newsroom, those reporters. Yeah kill it time after time after time after time after time and so seeing that in the movie absolutely did sort of feel like okay like that's somebody who's maybe not actually paying attention and is using the same talking points that were in fast company magazine in 2012 (laughs) yeah um, it's also like deeply untrue to how like millennials and high school people think of BuzzFeed. Like, yes. I know that I know that older people like have a perception of BuzzFeed as a place with like listicles and quizzes, yes. but it hasn't been that for years. Um, and like the way that we yep. treat BuzzFeed is entirely different than the way that like a forty or forty-five year old screenwriter would. It's absolutely yeah. true. Yes, I 
so I, but I'm curious, I was wondering if this was the connection, the like very loose, weak connection I made was, oh, I wonder if they put that in there to almost trick you into thinking like, I, I don't know, like some kind of way about like, oh, this person is like trying to make you think that like, because right then they completely dunk on Infowars right. and Alt-Right with that end scene. And that was totally on purpose. It was totally like very all, all on purpose. There was no like coincidence yeah. there. So for me, I was like, oh, maybe that was like a misleading thing to make the audience believe the movie was leaning towards like, right. ugh quote unquote liberal media or some dumb shit but then actually <laughs> the point was you know because <laughs> you can't mention the daily bugle you can't step on the punchline right, yeah <laughs> i think the script wants us to be i think it wants us to have that moment of being unsure right yeah. like we're given that water that hydro man origin and we're and there's also like there's also clues in the new mexico uh, the mexico scene at the beginning that like there's hints on license plates citing episode um comics where sandman appears i was just oh, reading really? about uh yeah so like we keep getting these weird counter narratives and we're sort of at a loss about which one we should trust right so when when mysterio stands in front of the, his hologram and is like they're elementals and they destroyed my world and he touches this fake wedding ring and everything <laughs> um i think it wants us to be awash in it and the film keeps doing that right like even the way like night monkey emerges very rapidly as like the hero of Europe. And like, everyone's talking about night monkey all of a sudden. Uh, and then the cop is wearing his mask and the kids, scre- the woman runs screaming at the German train station about the knocked monkey. Like, there, there's a way that the film is thinking about how quickly narratives spiral and we never have time to fact check mm-hmm. them. Um, I don't have, I mean, I, I also enjoy Buzzfeed as a news source, but I think that that's of a piece with that project. Yeah. And that, that makes sense. Like I said, I, I felt like once we got to the end, I was like, okay, they weren't really dunking. I mean, they use BuzzFeed because it's like, oh, everyone knows what that right. is. But I don't think the writer was actually trying to be like, oh, BuzzFeed sucks. Like, I don't think right. that's what he was getting at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ashley, that's funny. Yeah, I always I always feel that way because immediately my like defenses went up and I was yeah. like, <laughs> Yeah, so also I wanted to take a moment since we breezed past the beginning a little bit um marissa tomei is looking so oh good in this goodness. movie i love bro <laughs> i was offended i was offended <laughs> sorry sorry keep going every outfit she wore i was like yeah i want that outfit oh i want those wire glasses and she looks so good in those high-waisted jeans like fuck it's so wild yeah i couldn't believe it it was ridiculous <laughs> i I, and you know, like being a queer woman, I, I feel like you often encounter this, do I want to be her or do I want to have sex with her? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, do I want to be her? Or do I want to have sex with her? And it's this weird thing, right? Where like, I don't know what it is about Marissa Tomei, but everybody around her, I felt like them. It's like happy. I feel you. Yeah, yeah. Peter, I feel you. Uh, May, I feel you in a certain sense. You know what I mean? Like it was very confusing, but in a very, very enjoyable way. Yeah, I, I, I always feel that way yeah. too. Like as a queer trans woman, there's definitely that like element of do I want to be here or do I want to be with her? And uh-huh. God, it was really hard to separate the two. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's like I want to be that cool, yeah. and I also want to be like 
in the arms of this <laughs> cool person right. at the same time. Like, I want, I want your outfit, but I also want you to not be wearing your outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's so good that she almost <laughs> makes me forget about how awful the Salvation Army is. Is she in the Salvation Army? Yeah, the fundraisers for the Salvation oh. Army. Oh, is that. it really? Oh, mm-hmm. I thought it was her cool new job. I was like, I thought it was a riff on the the video game. The video game has Aunt May working at a company called Feast, which is like this homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most recent. I assumed it was like, oh, Aunt May, like I put in my notes. It's cool that Aunt May started her own charity. I really assumed it was her own thing. And I kind of thought it was specific, like specifically about the blip, because the story she tells seems to be about becoming. I thought it was a very oh, it is American. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very American response to the blip. Was that like, well, fuck you all. Mm. You're homeless. Yeah. Like you disappeared. It's your fault. So. <laughs> Did anybody else think that that was a, a thing about Palestine? The the displaced, yeah. the blip survivors? Say everything yeah, about tell this. Me. I want to hear, I, feel I, hear. I, don't, I don't feel like I know enough about it to speak on it. But, you know, the idea of people leaving and coming back and their shit being occupied and being like, who does this belong to? I don't know. Like, to me, it just seemed very... I was like, oh, wow, they're going there? But then they didn't really. But... Second, I thought they were. Is, is, is that what the return to Europe is about? I don't I don't know. I'd have to think about this. I did like the way it sort of started answering questions about the logistics of a yes. world after something like this and then invited so many more. Like even just okay, so they're thinking about the kids of course are worried about how it affected their midterms. Right. But like even the moment where she's on the plane, she's like, that kid is actually technically 16. Like you would actually need like your passport to indicate right, whether yeah. or not you were blipped or not, right? Like that would become a logistical question. Like what happens when, I mean, the only equivalent thing I can think of is like the plague years in Europe where like, what if there was a huge mass extinction of life and like what would happen to property? What would happen to businesses? What would happen to like borders? Like the logistics of it are amazing to think about. Yeah. And the movie thinks about them and then stops thinking about that was a that was a thing I was worried going into the movie. I was like, but who got, you know, dusted and who was still in high school? Like are we gonna they better address that? And then they did. And I actually thought that news report, the like cute high school news report, yeah, was like (laughs) with the Getty image. Yeah, it was like a perfect, (laughs) perfect way to just be like, hey, here's some exposition. It's going to be cutesy yeah. and funny and very yes. short. Um, I thought that was like really well done because it gave us the info we needed without being yeah. too long. It was like cute and fit in the universe. Um, you know, they're high school yeah. kids. So of course their news is going to be low budget. That I have to say of the first half was like very well done and gave us just enough info that we needed so that the like studly guy that was hitting on MJ, it was Brad. like, oh, he is older. <laughs> Like, and he looked older, right? But it. Yeah, he... That actor is 32. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> the years have. Ooh, the years have gone by. Yes, so I was hoping that the movie would. Like, I knew, judging from the tone of Homecoming, that this was going to be uh, more, a more comedic superhero film than anything else. And at first, it seemed like they were going to address the ramifications of the blip in ways that were going to be contemplative and approach the subject in a way slightly differently than uh, Endgame does because Endgame's very much focused on, you know, the core mission rather than the ramifications of what happened. Uh, my favorite scene of Endgame was just uh, when right. uh, Paul Rudd 
after coming back from the quantum realm is trying to find his daughter like every the stakes in that moment in endgame uh resonated with me more than like any of like the actual cosmic stakes and i was hoping that since these spider-man movies are a little more grounded and a little more intimate that they could while comedically still approach the subject on that level and then it feels like after the first 20 30 minutes uh it just kind of becomes a running punchline which i found not not ideal um until until the very end (laughs) when (laughs) you realize that like oh we live in a world where they would put uh j jonah jameson as uh alex jones on monitors in Times square makes you realize that over the last five years we've developed some real problems (laughs) right yeah and i mean that's what mysterio is exploiting right the vulnerable like and the sense of helplessness and like senselessness I mean, living in a world where for five years your loved ones were gone and now they're back, like literally anything can happen. So if someone's like, well, these elementals are attacking, you'd be like, well, I guess. right? (laughs) I need somebody to really explain something to me about the blip, because there's something that I swear I don't understand. Okay. How? It'll probably probably be Anthony. Okay, Anthony, (laughs) how was Peter still in high school? Why me? With all his friends. So, conveniently, it seems that every character we care about blipped. <laughs> so there is no like, there's no sad moment where Ned is like five years older. So everyone, as, as far as we can tell from that opening, everyone like Betty and Peter and Ned, they all blipped MJ, and now they have to resume high school as though nothing has happened. So kids who have graduated, who stayed after the blip, who are still alive. Their lives went on. They're like in college now. Kids who have suddenly come back, they lost six months of school, it sounds like, because they yeah. had to redo the year, apparently. <laughs> but that's pretty much it. Dude, They're why back was in that school. Guy, why was that guy who liked MJ so old? He was a he was a junior. He was in middle school, and now he's five years older. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was like yeah. an eleven year old who oh, became a teenager. Yeah. He was a kid they used to see crying. They say he's they used to see him crying with nosebleeds and stuff, and now he's suddenly like this ripped hot oh, dude. See, and so like, <laughs> I, I actually see that's why I told you to ask Anthony because my explanation was I thought when because I know they do say about redoing midterms, right? That is a line in the news yeah. report. I thought it was that they were making everyone redo school because like it only, it wasn't fully running during the blip. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's people's lives moved on. And Brad, who used to be a middle it's schooler. Oh, a senior. So, so like the, the, the politics of who's wow. hot have right. changed. <laughs> it's like the major, oh, it's the sure. major fallout in high school. Yeah. Um, well, my favorite, my favorite little bit of blip fallout is the teacher who casually mentions that his wife yeah. did not blip, but she pretended she did <laughs> <laughs> and ran off to get married to somebody else. Like, that is amazing. And weirdly foreshadows what Mysterio is doing, right? Like, he, right. a line I didn't catch until the second time through is that even the identity of Quentin Beck is fake. Like, we actually don't know what that man's name is. They created Quentin as like a character. So maybe he pretended to have blipped and now is like off the board and now has emerged as this new personality that no one seems to have clocked as oh being this God. previous scientist. My like my favorite thing about the blip is that like for a year and a half, like all of us have been calling it the yeah. snap. Right. Um, <laughs> but like in in universe, I guess like only seven people actually saw Thanos snap right. his fingers. So it makes total sense that they would call yeah. it something else. Yeah, it does. And something way, and like have a way worse. Yeah, like, 
yeah. <laughs> also, like immediately, all of us just went with it and we're like, "Yeah, it's the blip. Yeah. It makes sense." Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> it's also not clear what people know, right? Like, because oh, for sure. Thanos's presence on Earth basically amounted to an attack on Wakanda which nobody really saw because Wakanda is a secret right. place, right? It's just only freshly emerging into the Marvel universe as like a thing you know about. Like Peter, when he's on the plane, even scrolls past a, a Netflix documentary yeah. about yeah. Wakanda. So it's like, it's like a thing you're just hearing about. And then his second attack in upstate New York. At their so base, like, so it wasn't like... It's not, yeah. So it's not even clear if the public knows Thanos is a person, Right. It's just like yeah. a thing that happened and Iron Man. So wait, it that like, brings me to a question that I had is why is the, I didn't quite understand why when they show the interviewers interviewing him and everyone says it throughout the movie, if Spider-Man's the next Iron yeah. Man. And I didn't understand why people would think that because they don't know that Peter Parker and Tony Stark did have this like father son relationship. Like they wouldn't know that. Let's have a dope suit. So, like, there's Pepper Potts and there's <laughs> Rhodey, who would be the, like, most likely to be next in line for Iron Man, right? Yeah, but he black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I guess she's a woman, <laughs> so they'd be like, oh, no, not them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's also no sense of uh, Falcon now being this universe's new Captain no. America, right? Like, the public, the public seems to think Captain America died. Right. right. He's in the memorial at the beginning. Um, but there's no sense of like the new Captain yeah. America. Nobody cares about that yeah. apparently. Well, right? I feel I yeah. feel like that'll be saved. Like they're definitely they weren't gonna do that until they get his show. Like I felt like they're definitely saving all of the Captain America stuff for that show. Right. And like I guess the like the question about like the the new Iron Man just seems like a really convenient way to get into like Peter's process of like mourning and dealing with like the trauma of losing his mentor five minutes after coming back. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I... The thing is, I did like that. Like, I I was glad we at least showed him grieving because that does make sense. Like you said, he only saw him for, like, five minutes and then he died. Uh, so, like, right. the trauma... Everybody. Right, and the trauma of, like, oh, I got turned into dust and then five years happened. I came back right. and then my mentor died right yeah. in front of me. He got turned into dust in his mentor's arms. Right. <laughs> like, that's hardcore. Bro, uh-huh. I, don't know, I don't know what I would be like after watching myself turn to dust. Right. <laughs> I don't know what I would, I don't know who I would like. I could, I don't think I would be the same person. Like, I don't think I could just come back to my life and be like, yeah, I'm gonna do the same shit. Right. Like, like sometimes I'm just gonna be sitting on the couch being like, yo, remember... No, actually, you wouldn't remember. You weren't there. You know what I mean? And then just being like, yeah. I watched myself turn to dust. And yeah. all the people who, and the person who really watched it is dead. The only person I talked to who watched right. it is dead. And everybody else are magical adults who are off in the universe doing other shit. <laughs> One of the things I liked reading online about this movie that I don't like to ever use the word plot hole, but. They never really explain why the Peter Tingle has stopped working. Right. Um, like he has a spider sense. It's almost always in the comics the way he beats Mysterio is relying right. on his spider sense. And yet for some reason it's not working. And one of the cool things I read online was someone speculating that the reason the snap was only painful for Peter is because his spider sense yes. warned him of a danger that. and couldn't do anything. And now he's like he's in a state of trauma where he's actually switched it off. 
in himself. Like he, his one of the ways he's coping with his trauma is not accessing I'm gonna cry. Tunnel. Oh <laughs> my god! <And> so the, <laughs> I really like that. I wish it had been in right. the film at all. Like it really isn't. There's really nowhere to hang no. it in the movie. It's just sort of she throws a banana at him. Like that's weird, and yeah. it's like never explained. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of wish it were. I mean, presumably you don't need it when there's like ten thousand aliens right. staring you down. Right. Yeah, because it's like, well, they're there. We know. We know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ned getting with Betty, I didn't love, but then I loved because they were so that insufferable couple. And I feel like even as adults, we all still know couples that are kind of like that, right? Mm-hmm. That are like too much. It's like I get it. You love each other. Mm-hmm. Can you relax? <laughs> I get it because I am that couple. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know it's okay it's cool <laughs> i i just they were annoying and not in a way that was funny because they're supposed to be annoying it was just like okay i get i get the joke they they all of a sudden were dating out of nowhere and they're way too close and then they stopped dating out of nowhere and it's like ha 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 but i i, I got nothing out of <laughs> i did say zach and i would be the grumps of the podcast <laughs> It's fine, whatever. <laughs> it did. It did give. It gave Ned something to do in a movie that doesn't have much for him to do, right? Like he, there's a moment before they go to the opera. He's like, "Hey, sorry, I've been distracted. I'm still your guy yeah. in the chair." And it's like, "No, you're kind of not. Like, but, I don't know what you're for anymore." And I see why they've given but you the story. It's also like Peter doesn't need a guy in the chair, or doesn't feel like he needs a guy yeah. in the chair at that point. Like, it, it's not. It's mm-hmm. not just that Ned isn't the guy in the chair. It's that Peter is running from being Spider-Man. And when you're running, like, you yeah, don't need right. a guy in the chair. Like, you're trying, like, as a matter of fact, you'd rather not have a guy in the chair because you don't want, you maybe don't want him to hear you say, I don't want to do this or I'm not going to do You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think even then, yeah. like, he wanted his friends to feel safe and, like, he yeah. was in control even though he did not want to be in control. And I think Ned is delightful. I find Ned to be like (laughs) just a fun, like incredibly fun character. And I think he's cute. (laughs) Well, what it does do is it, I mean, it gives you a a foil for these, for Peter and MJ, right? Like these two people who cannot communicate easily are suddenly placed in opposition to these people who suddenly have this very easy, transparent relationship right. where it's just like lovey-dovey, easy together, easy to break apart. Like, Whereas MJ is like, I actually like the way her character developed in this uh, movie compared to last last movie where even her identity was a secret. Now it's like, oh, she acknowledges that this way she speaks, this affect yeah. is actually a coping mechanism because she's terrified of being close to people which speaks to the usual Mary Jane traumas, right? Like, whereas Peter has to keep his identity secret, like these two people cannot communicate Mm -hmm. in an honest way while Ned and Betty are like immediately emotionally transparent to each other, right? I loved MJ and I kept thinking, oh, this is is the girl I would have been best friends with in high school. Like she absolutely would have been like the person I came out to. (laughs) Like she just, for me, read as like, a girl I would have thought was really cool in high school. And I think Zendaya does such a good job with MJ. I think the two of them have really good chemistry. And I'm not sure if this was on purpose or not, but I got very like, oh, this is our take on it. And it's better of from Spider-Man three, when he has that ring, he's constantly dropping it or losing it. 
And like, I think it's the beginning when him and James Franco, whatever the hell's character's name was, are fighting. And they show that scene of him grabbing for the ring. I, I thought that was like, oh, look, we're going to do that, but better because it's a fucking Black Dahlia necklace because she likes, like, she's into true crime and likes the murderers. Like, I thought, I loved that. For me, that was like, oh, this is good. This is a good version of that. That's like up my alley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was the, I was definitely a marriage. <laughs> Which should surprise nobody. Definitely nobody who knew me um, as a younger woman um, or a teenager. Like, so Mary Jane for me is the realization of something I never thought. I would see reflected in film yeah. and especially not in a superhero movie. The idea of a, a woman lead, a young woman lead who is also a black woman who is into dark things and is kind of awkward and isn't cool or particularly sassy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like she's yes. witty and she has a really dry sense of humor, but she's not sassy. You know what I mean? Like her jokes are never to yeah. delight other people, right? She's sort of amusing. Yes, herself, yes, and very comfortable in that and amusing herself. And that felt so familiar. And that was just something that I was like, wow, wow. I I didn't think I'd ever. Get it's to funny see that you say this. she's not cool because to me she's like very cool. <laughs> oh yeah, she's very cool. <laughs> She's cool in a way high yeah. schoolers don't understand is the thing, right? Right. Like, she's not, I, yeah. I sort of like the way all the homecoming, far from home, Spider-Man universe has sort of reconfigured a lot of these characters. Um, like not just MJ who used right. to be, like literally she was teen model Mary Jane, right? Like that's what her character she was. She was like super confident and super, yeah. Yeah. And hip, right? She was the 60s swinging yeah. girl to a big nerd, Peter Parker. And now she's been turned into this sort of health goth um, uh, sarcastic, <laughs> but even the way it's also refigured Flash Thompson, who used to be like the right. jock, the blonde ripped jock, mm. and now he's, the, right. he's like he's also cool and also nerdy in ways that we didn't used to have a way to theorize for right. teenagers, yeah. and the teenagers aren't super good at theorizing either. That brings up my fundamental problem with uh, this movie and uh, Homecoming, is that it also reconfigures Peter Parker. Uh oh. I heard a part that brings me no pleasure to do this, but uh it reconfig these movies reconfigure Peter Parker as well, right? So Peter Parker is arguably the blue collar superhero. He comes from humble means. Uh he has his tragic backstory isn't so tragic that it would like turn you into a Batman. It's a kind of tragedy that's extremely relatable that uh, a lot of us can see ourselves in. And he becomes a superhero through little more than his wits and just a little bit of luck and is given this power that he then has to use responsibly. Uh, the, this particular incarnation of Peter Parker uh, is the heir apparent to like a billionaire's legacy uh, being Tony Stark, who, if we recall, made his money and derived his power from being the key benefactor of the military industrial complex. He was the one, you know, making billions of dollars off of the Iraq war. Oh, and now a all of a sudden, this blue collar superhero is in Happy Hogan's 
plane using Stark's technology and looks just like Tony Stark, a fucking war criminal. Sorry if I can't curse, but uh, he... So it's it's just really jarring and horrible for me to see like this good boy blue collar superhero just become the living embodiment of the military industrial complex and like billionaire excess. I it, it's like watching, you know, another another person from uh, Queens, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. It's like if you took her and then all of a sudden made her like the CEO of Halliburton. Like it's, I, I hate it. I, I, I hate what they've done to Peter Parker. <laughs> what a, what a comparison. No, but I think it's correct. Like there is a way that, and the films have always had this tension, right? Like, um, he's that's what that's what the constant invocation of friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is supposed to remind right. us of, right? Like he's being lured away from um, that blue collarness, uh, and I guess part of the reason it's more jarring here is because they're in Europe. He's been removed from that context too. Like we don't see much of Queens yeah. here, um, but it is. I feel like it's something they inherited from the comics a few years ago. I forget who mentioned it already. The deal with Mephisto thing, yeah. where to save Aunt May. Uh, he loses his marriage because no one wants to see him be married. Um, the actual terms of that deal are that his he has gone public. It's actually the same ending as this movie. Spider-Man's um, identity is now known to the public. And the deal is that it goes back in the box and the public forgets. Um, because no one wants to see that story either. Because it is the Tony Stark story. It's the same storyline that he got the Iron Spider costume in. Um, and we, we're still kind of dealing with that sort of inherited guilt of, I mean, the way that all of America has inherited the Iraq, the Iraq war and is now living in it. Um, but I agree. I don't like seeing, I also am not a huge fan of current stories where Peter is like the head of Parker Industries yeah. and all these things. I always liked when he was like the teacher back at his high school, like helping the next generation right. of kids. Or a photographer. Yeah. Those were nice. What happened to that? He takes one selfie <laughs> in this movie. And it's just like in the video game. <laughs> Nobody wants pictures of Spider-Man <laughs> anymore. Not. I mean, so yeah, I, I agree with all of that because for me, that's, it's weird. I like the Iron Man stuff, but I also dislike the Iron Man stuff, if that makes sense. And I also have a very strained relationship with Tony Stark. I think I might've said this when we did our Endgame episode, Anthony, like yeah. I was arguing with my, my boss at my part-time job and he didn't like Civil War that much. And I was like, Tony Stark is a cop. And I was like, oh, I need to calm down. I'm sorry. But <laughs> um, I, I I feel like Tony Stark is a very flawed hero, right? They've since tried to repeat that with Star-Lord. Didn't quite land as well. Uh, but I do think there's like something weird going on with, we get the Iron Man, but we I don't, I want him to be sad about his mentor, but I don't want him to become the mentor, right? And there's like, they yeah. blur that line a little bit. Um, and that's not Correct. my favorite because I would have preferred it be he's grieving. Fine. Maybe Tony Stark left him a bunch of money so him and his aunt could get a nice place. Okay, sure. Like that would be the end of it for me. I don't want him getting this like weapon where he accidentally almost kills one of his classmates with it. Well, but part of me likes that it's, it's like you're, you're, Tony right. Stark is dead. Wasn't he a great man? Would you like to inherit his army of robot murder machines? <laughs> like they're and like, they're, to their credit, the drones look like real yeah. drones, yeah, right? Like those look like the drones that are being used. They're not like superhero movie. Like, yeah. They look, and it's like, here, here you go, like have this. And like having that be, and even in the invocation of Henry the Fourth, like heavy is the head that wears yep. the crown. Like I like that it's thinking about that problem even though I don't like 
that it sort of has entirely subsumed basically what Spider-Man will be about for the next 10 years, right? Like, I like it as a story. I feel like part of me has always wished Spider-Man was a TV show because I don't think Spider-Man should be saving the world every week. I think Spider-Man should save the world once a year and mostly stopping bank robbers. Not like maybe have a super suit. So short, he needs to go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Electro shows up every so often and maybe a city block is in danger (laughs) or he's... my, my My first comic ever was Electro was in Montreal dealing drugs hidden inside hockey pucks <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and it, it came free with a jar of peanut butter and it's like why i read comics now and it's like that is the scale i like seeing spider-man work on but that is not the scale people want right. to go to the movies right. for and even this movie even this movie in in its criticism people are like well it didn't amount to much and it's like it so self-consciously is declaring we're just a vacation we're not doing right. the big thing this time we are not doing an Avengers level threat. In fact, Mysterio is nervous about like making it seem like too big a risk because the Avengers might show up. Like, he's trying to strike right. that balance. And yet the public is still critical of it if it's not earth shattering, everybody died. Yeah, you know? I, that's, like I said, for me, that was why, especially the first half hour was, it felt, I was like, these blobs don't feel like a threat, but we're supposed to think they're a threat. I, it felt like okay, but Captain right. Marvel could. Sh- what is this? A DC Captain movie? Marvel could show up and throw like end this in two seconds if it's actually so world threatening. Uh, and it also, and not to like you know dunk on our beloved Spider Son because I do love him, but it doesn't feel like he would be the one you contact if the world might be ending. Right. Yeah, I right? feel that. Yes. <laughs> yes i would not call him i would have called nick fury but nick fury apparently don't know nothing (laughs) but right it's like oh because yeah you would call nick fury because he knows everyone and he would call captain marvel or like any of the other heroes that you know have a lot of experience or like get whoever's available and bring them all be like oh we gotta fight this thing real quick yeah yeah you know War Machine yeah. on vacation. They don't even mention them. What's up with that? Well, like Ashley said. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't... But In all likelihood, they probably didn't know the creative team of the writers, uh, director John Watts. They probably didn't... They knew about Endgame. Yeah. They knew that they are going to lose Iron Man and Captain America. But they probably That's didn't true. know much else because this was being made concurrently with those movies. They didn't know if... Uh, the winter soldier or war machine or pep like they didn't know if these people were going to survive that other movie being made concurrently independently from them so part of why all these other heroes just are not invoked is because they they had no idea they they had to keep their eyes on their own paper so i that's that's always my defense of agents of shield when people like ride on it for not i'm like yeah but they don't tell them shit Right. Uh, so like they have to write circles <laughs> around not discussing the things that are going on. Right. Uh, yeah. So the the very end of the movie, we get MJ. Well, MJ says she knows he's Spider Man, which I loved. I I was like, yes, this is a team that would be smart enough to pick up on this because she just would, right? Mm-hmm. It made sense that she was like, oh, I know you're Spider Man. Yeah, duh. Of course you are. Or possibly a male <laughs> yeah. escort, which is another <laughs> option. <laughs> uh, but I was glad that they got together because I do think they have really good chemistry. And I, at this point I'm, I'm already overspending two movies of them not being together of like him trying to be with her. Uh, So I'm glad that the very end, we did get them together. We got that 
do we are we there anthony discuss the post credit scene i think we are right oh yeah sure yeah. i'm down <laughs> i already did <laughs> I, I loved both <laughs> i loved both post credit scenes uh i would i i was almost like man i would have loved so much more if we got like him doing things with mj like she knows he's spider-man they're cool with it him just like oh i gotta fight this villain real quick i'll meet you at the movies i'm gonna be like 10 minutes late i don't know i i like that um uh, I also cannot believe that they pulled off that cameo of having Oscar winner J.K. Simmons back in a cameo role as his role from the previous Spider-Man movies. He was perfectly cast, but I still can't believe that they got like that feels like such a it feels like such a bold move and a fuck you to like Sony that did those movies. Yeah, Sony, because it's like, ah, those Mm -hmm. movies suck, but he was good. So we're bringing him back (laughs) Oh, um, I like I I read something about how like essentially if they couldn't get J.K. Simmons for J. Jonah Jameson, they weren't going to have J. Jonah Jameson in the movie. Oh, yes, wow. I read that too because um, they always they always wanted it to be him. Um, yeah, and I mean like it is it is perfect, but it's also completely different from like the the way that he's portrayed in the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies yeah. because of like the necessity of how journalism has evolved and devolved at the mm-hmm, same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's also exposed. I like. I kind of liked it as sort of like the Daily Bugle has never been reputable, but it seemed to be. Right. <laughs> Whereas now I, work there. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, if it were me, I would have done. If you can't get J.K. Simmons, you should do like a Nancy Grace. Like I would go in the other direction. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yes. Always do a Nancy Grace. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been what I would have done. I would have cast like this creepy soft-spoken really concerned about the public nancy grace or like a laura ingram yeah yeah yeah. exactly accidentally giving a high all five or whatever oh my god (laughs) accidentally uh, kill me (laughs) like the thing about the post-credit scene that's kind of amazing is that it like accidentally mirrors like stuff that's happening right now like Right. They're they're like they they flat out say like controversial like untrustworthy news source the Daily Bugle but then play everything that the Daily Bugle receives on TV like it's no big deal right. like kind of the yeah. same way that the that the meme about concrete milkshakes became immediately a thing that like yes. you know major television news networks were reporting on like within hours. Yeah. I I think I mentioned earlier that I saw it through the context of the fact that the blip happened and has largely not been explored, that if you think that we live in a, you know, politically bonkers time where all of our institutions are failing and things that seemed impossible just seem to happen and everyone seems to accept Mm. them, that Mm. in a world where half the population disappeared Mm -hmm. and five years later just came back, uh, It reminds me of the show The Leftovers, where you see in depth how much uh, society fractures when just 2% of the population goes away. So when it's half of the population, you just can only imagine the sort of unspeakable uh, terrors that would change society that then five years later you're having you know j jonah jameson as alex jones uh broadcasted in times square like this universe and i don't think this movie really explores it i think avengers is too focused on its immediate plot to really explore it for a large amount of time just how weird this universe would be how these movies don't even scratch the surface of how crazy life would be and how things would not just go back (laughs) to normal like the fact that they're just going on this vacation and the vacation is being 
uh, thwarted by like hologram monsters is so normal compared to what right, the yeah. actual stakes of that post endgame world would be. And I don't even know how you would be able to explore mm-hmm. it in this format. Like I'm not I'm not saying that Marvel isn't you know doing all the legwork to. I think they I think they set the deck a little too high uh, to properly explore how crazy that would be. But I was watching it through that lens thinking, okay, this is nuts, but of course it I is. I have never thought of the leftovers as a way to think about this. And it's exactly the right, like that, that's the perfect text to cite for what it would be like in this world. Right. Um, I, I've never watched the leftovers, um, but that does make sense. I just wanted to point out because someone will inevitably tell us that we were wrong. Um, the the J. Jonah Jameson scene is actually, isn't it Madison Square Garden, Ashley? I think Pensation so. slash Madison. Yeah. It's like, I think it's like at the corner of... Penn- I'm a West Coast boy. I don't know <laughs> New York. <laughs> I interrupted you, Anthony. Go ahead, my love. Oh, I don't know. But I also, someone pointed out online that Avengers Tower has been renovated in this. Like, oh, has it? Like, there's that scene at the end where he's swinging to go yeah. pick up MJ, and he goes through a building. Remember? Yeah. He like... Oh, yeah. Swings through a space. And that is apparently the rebuilt Avengers Tower that doesn't have an Avengers logo on top. It's like, because that's near, um, what's the train station where they find Grand Central. Yeah. Yeah. It's like right behind it. So apparently that's where it's supposed to be. Um, I think to my brain, I thought he went under the, like, there's that tunnel by Grand Central. I thought he went under, but that makes more sense as why the hell would he swing under the tunnel? Yeah. So then we get the um, other Nick Fury and Maria Hill scene where we find out it's Talos and I don't remember if his wife got a name. I don't remember either. I don't remember, but so we learn it's them, which I thought was a pretty crazy reveal. Again, we already talked about this, how Nick Fury felt a little off. Um, Was this rewarding to all of you? Uh, Did you find it like a good payoff or was it kind of like annoying? The, oh yeah, no, I definitely liked it. Because, first of all, I'm a big Talos fan. Huge fan <laughs> of Talos. Um, he's my favorite part of Captain Marvel, <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Um, I think he's hilarious. I think he's fantastic. I love Talos. Um, so that, like, I thought was interesting. It made sense suddenly to me why I felt like Nick Fury, who I had previously just had... I guess, like, I never thought of Nick Fury necessarily as infallible, but I definitely think of somebody who can't be fooled. Because, like, before you make an arrangement, he makes all these arrangements around you, especially post-Winter Soldier. Like, that's just, I guess, how I thought of him. And then to have this guy sneak right in under his nose felt so counter character that i was just like oh it was making me it was making me not enjoy samuel jackson (laughs) which has never happened to me before in my life so to find out that it was just one of my favorite characters pretending to be another one of my favorite characters (laughs) made it somehow okay I liked it, uh, though, like, well, first off, like, I really liked it because it's it's always interesting for me to see actors play slightly different versions of themselves. Like, that's something that I, like, kind of fell in love with Star Trek over, um, this idea mm-hmm. of, like, slow, slightly tone-shifted characters and, like, a, an alternate reality from the one that we're used to. Um, 
So yeah. like Samuel L. Jackson having to play essentially what is a caricature of every Samuel L. Jackson character that's ever existed. Uh, <laughs> really, really appealing to me. Um, but uh, the the thing the thing that I like enjoy about it is that you know it it calls into question like what's real throughout the entire history of the MCU because um, Captain Marvel's a prequel and like. Right. Shield knows about scrolls uh, for a long time, and they're just there. Like they're just there. Um, I think it's a better like version right. of uh, like in the comic books. Nick Fury uh, like has you know been shot and killed a lot of times, only to find out that like he's a robot or an android. He's a life model decoy, um, and this is like a much more right. fun way of getting into that. Yeah. Um, and it it I think it kind of like nails the head on the on the theme uh, of like not knowing what reality yeah. really oh, is anymore yeah. and and also to be suspicious of authority figures right like <laughs> like, like this person oh, who seems sure. to have everything under control again even even the speech happy gives about tony like tony's public persona is like iron man is unlive up toable including for tony because he's right constantly and that's yeah. sort of what we're here to like nick fury as we're presented as the film is supposed to be in control he's not even nick fury and in fact he's desperately calling nick fury um, <laughs> i did like the, <laughs> i did like the pan out to the the sword facility being built that, yeah. that was interesting if that's what it is um yeah uh, in the comics there's shield which handles things on earth and there's a, an, a body called SWORD, which is another acronym that I don't remember. Yeah, neither do I. They, even, when, even when they first say it, it's like someone really wanted this to be the acronym. Right. right? Like, but it's, <laughs> it's the sword pointed yeah. at the stars that defends us from uh, extraterrestrial threats. And I sort of like the way this, um, this arms race is, again, escalating. Like this massive facility that makes the helicarrier look dwarfishly right. small. But Anthony, they're in the separate in the comics, right? They're not the organizations aren't intertwined, right? They're not intertwined, but they're the same. They're supposed to, sort of supposed to be the shield of space, basically. Right, yeah. Like um, That's how it functions. So I think we're there at the end. Uh, we're going to all say our favorite scene. Zach, you can go first. Sure. So my favorite scene was that uh, kaleidoscopic uh, hologram sequence where Spider-Man uh, is not aware of what is or is not real. Uh, Mysterio is really just flexing on him with all those uh, holographic drones uh, in a movie where, you know, every other scene looks like it's like shot in coverage and it looks like a second rate freeform show. Uh, this was the one sequence that was. Yes. Uh, pretty <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God, that shit was savage. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, Colette, what's your favorite scene? Like just so that I'm not like repeating what Zach said, I I also really love the Mysterio scene. But in lieu of that, um, I think my favorite scene was uh, like the the actual turn that Mysterio takes because um, like I really love that like tech guy like bombast like this dude who doesn't understand like how limited <laughs> and shitty his abilities actually are like talking up everyone for being like you stood behind a computer while Jeff Bridges. <laughs> told you how much of an asshole you were. Welcome to the team. Like that kind of thing. Like I really love that. It feels it felt like a TED talk, but um like in a in a dive bar. I really like that scene. All right. Uh Ashley. Hmm. <laughs> Dang. They took all the good ones. No, um You can repeat. I I allow I, I get that, but I would like to say something to you. I I guess I know it's strange, but I, I think maybe 
ultimately my favorite scene ended up being um <laughs> oh man uh ended up being the scene where happy shows up uh oh yeah like in the tulip, in the tulip field like for some reason hmm. there was something about that interaction and that moment with P- with Peter and Happy where Happy and Peter it seems like maybe for the first time are talking about their shared grief over Tony yeah mm. yeah and actually using that grief to lift each other mm. like i know that like it's complicated <laughs> the spider-man <laughs> to iron thing um but I think there was something really vulnerable and awesome. And I really like that they show Spider-Man crying. Like yeah. that's they did that in Homecoming too, where he's in tears. Yeah. And it's not like that weird, like semi-macho stoic yeah. tears that like the other right. guy. You know what I mean? Like he cries and in front of other grown men. <laughs> and I just yeah. I just I don't know. That really touched me. All right, all right. Anthony? Uh, my pick was probably going to be the Mysterio flex that uh, Zach was talking about, but um, and then it probably would have been the monologue, <laughs> the reveal. <laughs> so I think then my other favorite scene is watching Jake Gyllenhaal like clearly go to town on every director he's ever worked with as he's directing the final <laughs> battle scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I love... I love watching him just allow himself to be so silly and like also so dangerous at the same time. Like I really wasn't sure if those henchmen were all going to survive that scene. Yeah, me either. And like by extension, I also really like him on Tower Bridge. He's literally wearing the mocap suits that they use in the Marvel movies to shoot motion capture. I like really like that. (laughs) (laughs) And like having him like consult with his writer and like check in with his costume person (laughs) that that she's still really, I love that woman steaming. That's my favorite scene (laughs) is that lady (laughs) out constantly checking in if she should still be steaming this case. Anxiously steaming a cake. I honestly, my, I loved the Mysterio flex scene, but my favorite scene is J Jonah Jameson. I, like I got chills and was like, fuck, I couldn't believe that they brought him back. Uh, you know, I would love something like that when they have X-Men, if they, I mean, fucking give Patrick Stewart, Professor X again. He's like one of the best casts. God, please do. Like, I feel like that's fine with me. Uh, so knowing that they would like have, that they're like, oh yeah, we could do that. Cause they can. Right. Uh, I just, that was like absolutely jaw dropping to me. I could not believe that it was him. It was perfect. It was wonderful. I love that it was a dunk on InfoWars. Um, yeah, I just, I loved all that. Okay, now we're going to grade the movie. I almost said episode. Uh, we're going to grade the movie. I I give it, now that you all talked about it, I'm like, ugh, I'm just a grump. I'm sorry to abandon you, Zach. I think I'm going to give it a B-. minus. Um, Ashley, what grade do you give it? I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a B+. Plus. Okay. All right, Colette. Um, it, it'll probably come as like Ian. I I feel like you've call, you're someone who's called me out on how negative I am about stuff all the time. <laughs> uh, so like it might be a surprise, but uh, this is this is an A minus. This is my second favorite one after Thor oh. Ragnarok. Oh shit, uh, Anthony. Oh, it's it's an A for me. I'd be happy to. I, I wish they made a Spider Man movie every year, <laughs> and its stakes were its stakes were kind of high and kind of not really anything, and it was fun. And emotions were had, and this is, 
I feel like they did everything they set out to do, and I was interested in its script writing choices. Um, I liked it. I, there isn't much I would change, really. Right. Uh, Zach? I give it a C-. minus. I think this movie, uh, despite the fact that they made it and it was done, they really, I think, that it, they need to start the year all over again uh, and do six more months oh, of no. school. Oh, no. Fourth <laughs> brutal um love it uh thank you all for joining us thank you all for listening if you um like slayer fest you can find us on itunes google play soundcloud and stitcher um and you can find us on patreon if you want to subscribe it really helps with keeping the podcast going and if you want to find us on twitter we are at slayer fest x 98 and i am ian x carlos on all social platforms anthony where can everyone find you I am uh, Mia Koopa, M-E-A-K-O-O-P-A on everything. And Zach, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me at Zach Heltzel on everything. Ashley? You can find me on Twitter at iSmashFizzle or on Instagram at SmashFizzle. Smash, smash, smash <laughs> Colette? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, Colette Arend, uh, C-O-L-E-T-T-E-A-R-R-A-N-D. Okay, cool. Um, Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye.